It's June 5th, 2011, and this is The Candid Frame. Welcome to the show. One of the reasons I created a Candid Frame Flickr group was to have the opportunity to see the kind of work being produced by listeners like you. Because of the nature of the show, I knew that fans of the show were obviously passionate about photography, and I wanted to create an opportunity for you and I to be able to discover those images. One of these people is Noah Stevens, a Detroit photographer whose portraits of the people of Detroit really caught my attention. I didn't know what to expect when I asked him to come on the show, but the story that he had to tell about these images and how they helped change his life couldn't have been more perfect for this show. I think you'll find this conversation both fascinating and inspiring. So sit back and enjoy our conversation with Noah Stevens. Well, Noah, welcome to the Candid Frame. I, I, I found your work as a result of the uh, Candid Frame Flickr pool, and I was looking through images there, and uh, I saw some of the portraits and images that you had put up there. And when I found that blog entry for the people of Detroit, I really loved what you were doing there with with the photographs. Not only with the photographs, but the whole project. Tell us about how that how that started for you. Oh man, I appreciate that, man. I'm glad um that the images caught your eye in the Flickr pool. Uh about well, this was in around April two thousand and ten, so last year. I don't know if you uh remember it, but uh Dateline NBC came out with a uh program about Detroit called Detroit City of Hope and Sadness or something. <laughs> but in that program, uh they featured a man who was selling raccoon meat. And the unstated premise was or the unstated implication was that somehow that was a staple food source for people in Detroit. And I just found that absurd. I found it characteristic of the type of coverage that uh the city of Detroit gets nationally and even sometimes internationally. Being that there is a man in Detroit who sells raccoon meat, so that much is factual, but it's not comprehensive because that's not I don't know anyone who eats raccoon. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, I I grew up on welfare in Highland Park, Michigan, which is a city inside a city within the city limits of the city of Detroit, which grew up around Henry Ford's first auto plant and has since pretty much fallen into disrepair. And I've never had a raccoon, and if I've never had it, I seriously doubt anyone else did. So the whole purpose of the project was to kind of give a more comprehensive view of the people in the city and how life is led here. So I just wanted to, uh, that was kind of the impetus for the project. That's why the tagline for the website is, uh, because not everyone in Detroit eats raccoons. <laughs> I was going to ask about that. Anger motivates me. 
Well, you're doing um, some, you're producing some beautiful work as a result. What but the images are are really simple. I mean, you're using primarily like a 35 or a 50 millimeter. You're not you're not using mm-hmm. a bunch of uh, expensive equipment and lighting, but the images that you make mm-hmm. are really really beautiful because of the effective use of shallow depth of field. Did you sort mm-hmm. of know that that was how you wanted to produce these images? Talk, talk about you know, the process of of just the look that you wanted to achieve with the photograph and, and what what was the idea in terms of the visual impact that you wanted each photograph to have? I wanted I wanted the um images to make the person the focus of the images. So you know, using a shallow depth of field helped achieve that goal and um I also went, you know, because a lot of it is just just people that, you know, I, I encounter by happenstance or, you know, just happen to run across, you know, while out and about in the city. Uh, it, it, it didn't really seem feasible to have a whole lot of lighting equipment. So those constraints kind of led to the overall look. And uh, I like fixed focal lengths because I find that, uh, constraints feed creativity. I think we have too many options. You can kind of have uh, a paralysis of choice. Too many options just lead you to kind of not really be able to focus uh, your creative uh, vision. Yeah, I, I like the idea of fixed focal lengths because every time I raise the camera to my face, I know what to expect, and that helps me uh frame the shot and pre-visualize how I want things to look. When do you make these images? I, I think I read in one of the entries that you just went out uh, to to lunch um, from, from <laughs> your job and then you yeah. made the portraits, but is it stuff that's happening yeah. during a fixed time period every day or is it uh, does it vary? Yeah, when I first um, when I first started the project I was uh, working for a corporation in a building in downtown Detroit uh, just kind of doing cubicle farm type work that wasn't really of interest to me. So on my lunch break, I had gone out. Yes, um, you know, trying to start this project. This was like around April, and I happened to go to a nearby park downtown and saw uh, a young woman that I actually had gone to high school with. And like I said, it was high school I went to was what you would probably think of as your typical urban high school, but, um, you know, in any typical situations, there are outliers, and funny enough, the person I saw, uh, a young lady by the name of Candace, was reading Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell mm. in a park in downtown Detroit, so I'm like, you know, this is, I really can't think of any better way to start the project, because that's basically what I'm talking about. I'm talking about people who probably defy the common notion of what a Detroiter is. So she became the first subject for the um, project, and um, I felt like it was a good way to start it off. Uh, so I would just pretty much photograph who I could photograph whenever I whenever I got a chance. Um, I was doing it daily, but I found... I found that that was leading to me trying to force things that maybe I, I would not have done otherwise. So I scaled back and tried to make it a little bit more, uh, let the content come as it, as it did instead of trying to force it on a particular publishing schedule. Mm-hmm. 
Had you done this much in terms of going up to strangers to make their, their portrait? Had you become, were you sort of a seasoned veteran by the time you started this project <laughs> or was, was this sort of new territory for you? Um, this was new stuff. Like I, I got my first camera, uh, two and a half years ago. Like, I had never owned a DSLR up until that point. Um, so I, I got it because I had just gone through a really bad breakup and I needed something to take my mind off the heartache. Mm. So I figured I would, uh, finally indulge this hobby. I always had an appreciation for photography and art and it seemed like an opportune time to get it. So I got like a Rebel XSI and a 50 millimeter 1.8 lens. And, but, Oddly enough, I'm doing a project called the People of Detroit, where I can be a bit of a hermit, bit of a recluse. So it kind of served that purpose too. Like, gave me a reason to get out and interact with people, and uh, it's kind of therapeutic for me also because I, I think that uh, interacting with people and building relations with uh, the people in your community. It, 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 it boosts your spirit. So I guess that was part of the motivation also. But no, it wasn't something I had done a lot previous to that, no. I've seen a lot of projects that involve people photographing strangers, but I think what mm -hmm. really spurred me on was that you took it to a new level, not just with the, the photographs, but with the fact that you were taking the time to talk with the people and to have some part of their story as part of the photographs. And that's what really piqued my interest, because I know a lot of people would just make the picture of a stranger and move on and, and not really have any sense of, of who they were. And I think that that choice really takes the whole project uh, up a notch. And so tell me about the importance of that in terms of what you're doing with this project. I would say that is a big part of, of what I wanted to do because it's kind of a combination of two um, two things that interest me. Um, I'm very interested in the visual representation of people who are in Detroit because I feel like uh, one of the most powerful way, one of the most powerful uh, influences on how you think about a place is you know how the people look. So that's important, but I also like the idea of being able to tell their story, and their story usually serves as a, an entry point to a discussion of even larger issues. You know, like for example, I photographed a young woman, beautiful young woman, that I just happened to come across who uh, had a short hairdo, and her photograph served as the jumping off point for a larger discussion about uh, social norms in the black community concerning hair. So um, I'm someone who very much feels like, uh, feels like I have a responsibility to uh, provoke conversations that are meaningful and that move people forward as a society. So the photography kind of you know, gives me uh, an excuse to do both of those things, which I really enjoy. What did people make of you when y you go up to them and not only want to make their photograph, but tell yeah. them why you're doing it? What's their response to the project? People are overwhelmingly receptive. I can 
say I probably, you know, approached, I think there are like 67 portraits uh, up on the website now. And I've probably been rejected once, and it was by someone who I think may have had some mental issues. I don't even really take that personally. So, um, yeah, people are really receptive. I think we live in an era where people are accustomed to being photographed. Um, And also people like to be photographed. I think there's a certain amount of, I I don't know if narcissism is the word, but people are very comfortable with having their image portrayed. So, uh, I don't know. I guess maybe I have a demeanor that puts people at ease and maybe I have a trustworthy face. I don't know. But no, people are usually receptive to it. Do you, do you digitally record your conversations with him? Do you write down notes? How do you get all, all that? You no, know, I usually, I usually go from, from memory. I, I try not to structure things too much. Um, but I've, I've thought about that, but I feel like that might, uh, I don't know, maybe cause people to clam up or make things a little bit more difficult in the long run. So I just go from memory and just kind of make key point notes in my mind and just take it from there. Tell us about your Detroit. Like you said before, there are a lot of people who have impressions of Detroit primarily made up of what they've heard on the news and and mm. such. But what? tell us about your Detroit, why that city is so special to you and why you think the people are so such unique people. Well, I mean, the thing about Detroit is, you know, a lot of photographers, a lot of photographers will come here and they'll photograph abandoned buildings and decaying aqueducts, and that, uh, without a doubt, is a part of the reality in Detroit. But it's also a reality that Detroit is Detroit that I'm familiar with is a place where there are a lot of young, innovative, um, entrepreneurially minded people who are taking the opportunity in Detroit to, uh, you know, forge a better future for themselves. And I think, I think something that often gets overlooked about a place like Detroit is there is a lot of opportunity to grow. You know, it's also a place that is in the national imagination because it kind of is a, uh, carbon or a microcosm of the larger decline of, um, American manufacturing, you know, in general. So for people who have something artistic to do, um, something to say, I think it's a really good place to be. Um, I know the, doing this project in Detroit has brought a lot of attention to my project and to myself also. So it's not a bad place to be, depending on what you're trying to do. The cost of living is relatively low, and it's not all doom and gloom. I'm no Pollyanna. That's definitely a part of it, but there's also a lot of good going on here, and that's why I wanted to do the project. Tell us how this project has changed not only your work, but, you know, what you're doing with your life. Yeah, so like I said, when I started the project, um, I was working a job where I was dissatisfied, <laughs> where I had a, a boss who was um, <laughs> was difficult for no good reason, as I think a lot of bosses are. So, you know, that, that was kind of a push factor, but um, what 
doing this project has allowed me to do is, um, you know, I posted it on Flickr. In late January, I actually got an email. It was 3 a.m. in the morning from a creative director in Japan or in China who said, would you shoot in China? And, you know, being this cautiously optimistic person that I am, I assumed it was some type of scam or something. <laughs> so my, my first thought was like, yeah, when did China move to Nigeria? You'll never trick me. <laughs> but... um I replied back. I figured, yeah, sure, I'll play along. Like, sure, yeah, you know, tell me more about this uh, China. <laughs> and um, I got on, I got on Skype with the young woman, and it turned out to be legit. And it was for McDonald's of uh, China. So I ended up shooting a portraiture ad campaign over there, you know. And she found my photographs on Flickr, which is just like phenomenal, man. Like the whole. The whole paradigm for how art is seen and purchased is just com has just completely been changed by the internet. And it's just a wonderful time to to have a creative thing to do and have it seen. Um, so that that pretty much allowed me to start doing photography full time as well as doing the people of Detroit full time, and um, you know that's really been a life changing event. Um, while I was in China, I got an email from the Discovery Channel who was doing a documentary on Detroit, and they wanted to feature me and my me and my photo project in one of the three episodes they were producing. So, like I said, if if I had been doing the people of Nantucket, you know, Nantucket, I'm sure it's a wonderful place, but it's not really something that is in the national imagination. If not for doing what I was doing in the city of Detroit, those opportunities probably would not have arose for me. So for that, I'm very much grateful. Well, you you couldn't make up a better story. <laughs> I mean, you, you realize that. I mean, it's just, it's, you know, your work, you're working in, you know, in what amounts to a cubicle somewhere doing a job you don't like. You go out, do a personal project, you put it up on, on Flickr and Miracle of All Miracles, you end up launching a career, not just by doing headshots of actors. You end up, your first job is China. That must have been surreal to find yourself on a plane. I, I didn't believe it. I, Part of me still doesn't believe it. Part of me thinks I'm like in a, in a, in a, in Inception or something. Um, <laughs> I'm waiting to be like uh, dunked in a pool of cold water. But um, you know, I'm I'm the type of person who is not necessarily one of those persons that when you see them in the morning is like good morning and all overly optimistic. But I just believe in. If they if if there's something that you're passionate about doing, you have to go on and do it. It may yield a positive, successful result. It may not. But either way, what are you going to do? You still have to do it, mm -hmm. and hopefully, something good will come from that. And you know, a combination of luck and effort can sometimes lead to good results. So that's just my mentality: just to do what is in your heart to do, and hopefully, something good will come of it. Yeah, and I think. Your story is just another, yet another great example of people doing something personal with their photographs that they're really, really passionate about. And their mm -hmm. choice to focus on something that they're passionate about brings out as a result 
very unique photographs. I think that mm-hmm. a lot of the problem that people who want to do more with their photographs is that they're so busy copying other photographers who they think are mm-hmm. commercially viable. They don't realize they're just producing more of the same. And if they would just tap into mm-hmm. something that makes them unique, that really, you know, that is fostered from whatever it is about them that makes mm-hmm. them special, that that work will stand out. Even if you don't have a whole lot of photographic experience, mm-hmm. you know, something just comes through in the images when you make that kind of choice. And I think you, you are a perfect example of that. Because I, I think, yeah, I agree because photography is an act of creation in a way. When you t- pick up a camera and you put it to your, to your eye, you're creating something and the world that you create is going to be a reflection of your personality, your values, your mood, um, how you interact with people, what you see as, 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 as important. And if you, if you mitigate that or if you suppress it by you know, being overly influenced by commercial considerations, you're going to lose some of its potency. So, I definitely feel like it's important to do things that do something that is an authentic reflection of what you're passionate about. And hopefully, you know, that will resonate with other people. I think that goes across the artistic spectrum, comedy, all that type of stuff. You have to speak from your authentic voice and Mm -hmm. not try to uh, replicate something else that's just been financially viable. Tell me about your, your relationship with the community on, on Flickr. A lot of people put images up there oh. and sometimes are disappointed by the dialogue that exists there while others <laughs> are really are able to sort of nurture your community. It's obviously oh. proven very beneficial to you professionally, but talk to me about how your use of the, of the site has maybe evolved or changed since you've been using it. I love Flickr. Um, I mean, it's, I, I really feel like a, a certain kinship with other photographers on there because, you know, like I said, it's, it's a change in paradigm. Whereas if, you know, if you were a photographer uh, in, in the 1950s and you wanted to learn about the techniques of a, you know, highly regarded admired photographer, you would have to physically be around them. But the, the beautiful thing about Flickr and the photographic community on the internet in general is that people are willing to share um, and you can have access to their knowledge, their experience, their perspective, their philosophy, no matter where you are. And it's, it's not just people who are already established. It's people who are, you know, trying to establish themselves as amateurs, as professionals. And it's just really just a great way to become self-taught and to educate yourself and to expose yourself to what is possible through photography. I absolutely love Flickr. Hmm. Tell me about the the blog. Cause, you know, I think you initially started putting these images up on Flickr. What role has the blog played in you getting out this this work to to an audience? Um, the blog, the blog has, has been great because it's, it allows me to have a space on the internet that is dedicated strictly to this project. And, and it's also something that I can, um, share with people who are not necessarily so, uh, 
oriented towards the technical side of the photography, which a lot of what Flickr is. Um, for people who are just, you know, lay people, that's what I share on my Facebook statuses. That's what I link to off of Twitter. So um, that's been a really good tool, and I just I like the way you can present things. I, I use Blogger to to put out the blog. I I like the the way you can have like a really streamlined presentation of the images there. And you know, I, once I started doing the project. I, I took the time to purchase the people of Detroit.com as a URL. It was amazingly available. Mm. <laughs> so, so um, yeah, so that, that, that allows me to have a, I, I guess you would say, a branded presence on the Internet where you wouldn't be able to do that on Flickr. So, you know, you're doing this this work in, in, in China and you're doing other work and you don't have the pedigree that a lot of people think you should have to be, mm-hmm. quote-unquote, a professional photographer, especially mm-hmm. with some of this early success that you've had. Um, mm-hmm. Have you been worried about the fact that you don't know certain things, or are you just really comfortable with the way that you work and the fact that people are coming to you because they're saying, the work that you're doing with this project that you're doing on Flickr, on the blog, is what we mm-hmm. like, and we're fine with that? I, I guess I, I, it kind of goes back to just doing something that, you know, you're motivated authentically from within to do and that's either going to resonate with some people or it's not. I've, I've had encounters with uh, people within the um, established professional photography world where it was clear that what I'm doing does not resonate with them and that's that's fine. You're not, you're not going to be able to connect with everyone. That's the nature of art. It doesn't connect with everyone. Um, as far as pedigree is concerned, it's funny, like I have I have friends who are traditionally educated through photography institutions and actually a friend in New York, we went to uh, <laughs> uh, the International Center for Photography, I want to say, in New York, and they had some, they had, uh, they had a display there where it was a guy who had taken close-up pictures of his mouth, and that was it. Yeah, I got the argument with her, like, um, you know, that's that's BS, and you know it's BS. And she's like, no, it's process art. And I'm like, well, I don't really know what that means, but what I'm going to use context clues to infer is that that's, like, to show his process. And I'm like, well, what's the process? Does he brush his teeth in the end? And I just think there's a certain reverence that is given to art that is in museums or art that has been uh, credentialed through a particular photography school, and that doesn't really resonate with me. I don't think I don't think if you have something to say anyone else can say whether or not the way you're expressing that is valid. I don't really seek uh, credentialing or I don't seek any type of validation from anything outside of myself. I ultimately validate what I feel is worthwhile. So that doesn't really bother me at all. I establish my own pedigree. (laughs) So tell me how how you say the past year, particularly working with this project, has sort of evolved how you use the camera and, and see yourself now. Yeah, it's it's made me a slightly more outgoing person. It's not that I'm not outgoing. It's just uh, humanity can be a tough nut to crack sometimes. Right? As, as much as I, I love highlighting uh, the types of people that I find uh, inspirational and worthy of admiration. 
it's a lot about humanity that can be, you know, make you want to shut your doors and never go outside again. But doing something like this where I'm highlighting, you know, what's going right with humanity and with society has made me feel more connected with, you know, society. And, you know, I, I think being that we're social animals, that means a lot for me. I find it that buoys my spirit. So, you know, if I've done anything to improve Detroit or how people perceive Detroit, doing that has also improved itself. So it's been a big thing for me also. Hmm. And how have the people of Detroit responded to the work that you're doing, um, particularly when they find your 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 blog and and or they hear about you know I don't know if the episode for the Discovery Channel has aired yet, but um, mm. what's been the reaction to what you've been doing from from people who aren't photographers? I think you you had a photographer on not too long ago who is a, a female who had photo, who started off photographing people in Texas. I want to say, mm-hmm. uh, I, I think she said that like uh, when you start doing something like that, um, people are overwhelmingly supportive and people want to see you succeed. And that's been my experience too. Like um, I've got a lot of support from uh, local media people who. You know, like the, the editor of a, a magazine here called Black Detroit, who would just, you know, seen the project on the Internet and appreciated it and wanted to, at the beginning of this year, they, they ran a uh, calendar featuring uh, 12, 13 images from the people of Detroit, you know. So I think for the most part, people are, are very supportive of something you do that is trying to, uh, give a fair portrayal of their community, and I think they're especially supportive of you when you're you're in a community that has been um, so thoroughly. Uh, I'm not going to say misrepresented, but not fully represented by national and, and uh, international media. So there, people are more than happy to um, support you in that effort. Well, that must be real gratifying to know that those images and what you're inspiring in people who live in Detroit took the form of a calendar that they would be able to gaze at, you know, day after day on on their walls. That must have been quite a rush to to see that. It was. I mean, that that's that's really beautiful. Like um, a couple of people that I featured in in the project, my like my someone who I I just started off with someone who I featured in the people of Detroit and has since become a friend. My friend Erica Watson, who is a young woman who is a, a film student and a music student at Wayne State University here. She she said that she'll be out in some of our local malls and people will have the calendar and ask for art <laughs> <laughs> And it means so much to me, man, because just like a, a little bit of my personal history, um, like I, I refer to the process of creating images as, you know, a, a creative process, you know, almost in the the uh, mythological sense of the word. When I was growing up, uh, we converted to Sunni Islam around like the age of six. And one of the things that is prohibited by Islam is making images of anything that is living because apparently Allah has the ultimate copyright on all living things. So as a result, 
I have no photographs of myself past the age of five or six. Um, and, you know, I, I think that's really knowing that I don't have any images of myself and that's really that it really makes makes it all the more significant when I'm able to make an image of someone else and have that stand as proof of their existence, you know, for for as long as, you know, time goes forward. Um, I think that, you know, um psychologically that means a lot to me because it allows me to rectify maybe something that I wish could have been done for me, you know, during my childhood. Mm. So it really makes me feel good to know that, you know, I, I've, I've made these images of these people and they can take those with them, you know, for as long as they're here. And um, so I don't know, man. I, I, think, I feel like the things you end up doing in life are very much motivated by your experiences, your happiness, your hurt. And um, I feel like once you embrace those influences, um you hopefully be able to do something that means something to you and means something to others too. That's that's when the camera is used at its best, I think. I think it's really easy to just use it as a copying machine. But when you mm-hmm. use it as an extension of yourself to can not to not only show how you see the world but to express how you feel about it, then mm-hmm. those are the kinds of images that really resonate with people that are more than just mm-hmm. a pretty picture to look at. And I think that your work really exemplifies that. I really appreciate that, brother. It's really it's really good because like I said, your program is something that I listened to uh, you know, a year ago. I thought, man, I love love what he's doing with that, you know. And it just really means a lot for me to be able to uh now be on it. Um it's all about it's all about sharing sharing experiences here for the time that we're here. Um and that's what I love about photography and art in general. So, what are, where are you hoping to take this project next, and 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 your overall photographic career? Um, more than anything else, I, I see myself as a producer of content. You know, um, so what what I want to do with the people of Detroit, especially once the Discovery Channel uh, program airs is have a ebook ready for distribution at that point and um continue to generate content that people find interesting. Um I'm very much a independent minded person, so it, it means a lot for me to be able to be the author of the types of photographs that I'm making and be able to uh, like I said, produce content. So um, that's what I what I plan to do going forward. And you know, if you know, commercial opportunities come calling, that's wonderful too. But that's what I mean. It's a it's a wonderful time to be a creative and to be entrepreneurial because so many of the traditional barriers to entry have been knocked down by technology. You know, you can put out a book and you can publish that, like I said, without getting credentials from a publishing house. You don't have to ask anybody. If you have something you want to do, do it. There's nobody stopping you. Do it yourself. So, um, you know, looking forward to doing that going forward. 
Wow, that's awesome. Well, yeah, as you know, I, my last question is always to ask the photographer to recommend or suggest another photographer for our listeners to explore and discover. So who would be that one photographer for you and why? <laughs> uh, being a member of the uh, Flickr uh, proletariat, the non-MFA <laughs> educated people, self-taught people. I'm going to have to say my man, Dustin Diaz, who is a uh, portrait photographer out of San Francisco, who did an absolutely phenomenal 365-day project on Flickr. For people who may not know, that's a project where you uh, post a new photo every day for a year. Um what what I why I recommend Dustin is because um, you know in addition to his enormous talent and the way he sees the world, um, he takes the time to provide diagrams for the images he makes. And to me, his project exemplifies um, what what the Flickr community is about. It's about sharing and growing and. Um, you know, improving, helping, improving yourself and helping others improve. So I would definitely recommend Dustin Diaz. Uh, I look forward to looking at his work and thank you so much, Noah. This has just been a real pleasant surprise to have discovered you and to realize that you have such a wonderful story to tell. And I think it's going to be a real inspiration to, to everyone who listens to this episode. So thank you so much. I've, I've been honored to speak with you. Oh, man, I appreciate it, too, man. Thanks a lot for having me on. Thanks for joining me. Please remember that I'm accepting images for a limited-run podcast in which I will provide critiques of images based on the ideas I talk about in my book, Chasing the Light. You can join the group on Flickr, and I'll have a direct link in the show notes. If you have any comments or suggestions, you can email me at thecandidframe at gmail.com. You can also visit us at the website at thecandidframe.com, where you'll also find a link to make a donation to the show. Martin Taylor, who is the editor for the show, can be found at theothermartintaylor.com. And this is Avadian X Borello, and this is The Candid Frame. Check out this show and more great photography podcasts at photocastnetwork.com. Photocastnetwork.com.